Welcome to Decisive Point, a U.S. Army War College Press production featuring distinguished authors and contributors who get to the heart of the matter in national security affairs. Decisive Point welcomes Colonel Maximilian K. Bremer and Dr. Kelly A. Grieco, authors of Air Littoral, Another Look. Colonel Bremer is the director of the Special Programs Division at Air Mobility Command. He is a 1997 Distinguished Graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy. He has an MPP from Harvard's Kennedy School of Government and an MAAS from the School of Advanced Air and Space Studies. Dr. Grieco is an Assistant Professor of Military and Security Studies in the Department of International Security at the Air Command and Staff College. She received her Ph.D. in Political Science from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Max, Kelly, thanks for joining me today. I'm really glad you're here. Your research looks at Air Littoral, which is the space between ground forces and high-end fighters and bombers, and how the U.S. military thinks about its verticality. What has changed in recent decades that makes this a priority? Well, Stephanie, first, thanks for having us on, and thanks to Parameters for publishing this paper. It's really a privilege. So you're asking what's changed? Well, in a nutshell, democratization and technological advancement have led to increased access and persistence in the space that we're calling the air littoral. Basically, more users with more technology are driving innovation, both in the military and civilian realms. Changing the way that we access and persist in any domain will alter the way we contest that domain, the way we seek dominance. The air littoral, until recently, was mostly a realm of transit to and from the blue skies. Persistent access within the air littoral was just not tenable, but it is now, and that drives a change in how we utilize the domain. Before, we could think about airspace as layered flat maps, and now we have to understand the interaction vertically and persistently from the ground all the way to the edge of space. As Colonel Bremer suggests, what has changed is increased access and persistence to the air littoral. Russia and eastern Ukraine, for example, has been able to access the airspace and deny it to the Ukrainian Air Force, mainly using not manned aircraft, but a combination of air defense and electronic warfare systems. And they have then been able to exploit this airspace using multiple drones flying simultaneously at different altitudes over target areas to spot for artillery and rockets. This example illustrates two important changes in my mind. First, manned aircraft are no longer essential for accessing or exploiting the airspace or at least parts of the airspace. And second, increasingly both non-state actors and strategic competitors will use small unarmed systems, things like drones, low-flying missiles, and loitering munitions to gain persistent access to the air littoral and then exploit it. What is the working definition of air superiority and where does the United States fall on this topic? Do we still rule the skies? No, at least not the same way we did 10 or even five years ago. In joint doctrine, air control exists on a spectrum based on the degree to which an adversary can interfere with friendly military operations. On that spectrum, air superiority refers to a level of air control in which friendly forces are able to operate at a given time and place without prohibitive interference by the opposing force. Air supremacy goes even further than that. It refers to a degree of dominance in which the opposing force is incapable of even effective interference, and that's anywhere in the entire theater of operations. I would argue, and many others, that based on those definitions, for the last 30 years, the United States has had air superiority, if not air supremacy, 
in all its major conflicts. Today, however, that's no longer a given. And in fairness, both the Air Force and the Army have increasingly recognized this in recent years. To emphasize that point, the chief of staff of the Air Force, General Brown, has said on numerous occasions that air dominance is not an American birthright. But attempts to maintain or regain that air superiority have mainly centered on developing and acquiring sixth generation fighters and bombers. So those aircraft that operate in the blue skies. As we point out in our article, this focus on the blue skies runs the risk of missing that adversaries are increasingly able to access the airspace between the ground and the blue skies. That is the air littoral. So to address this new reality, we have to recognize that air control exists in a volume rather than a flat bounded plane. In the past, control of the air was won or lost in the blue skies. If you obtained air superiority over a theater of operations, it was generally imparted to control over all altitudes. But that assumption no longer holds. Control of the air littoral is rapidly decoupling from that of the blue skies, which means our concept of air control has to evolve. It must account for a third dimension, that of vertical space. Critically, conceptualizing air control as a volume calls attention to key differences between the blue skies and the air littoral. Compared to the blue skies, the air littoral is becoming much more highly dynamic, threat intensive, and a more important environment. In Iraq, as General Raymond Thomas noted, the adversary was able to operate, quote, right overhead and underneath our air superiority, unquote. If the enemy is in the air above us, do we actually have air superiority? Here's a quote from your article. Most worrying for the United States is the potential curtailing of the military's ability to provide effective support to U.S., allied, and partner ground forces from the skies above. Can you expand on U.S. adversaries contesting control of the air littoral and your answer to it? In the U.S. military, the services are aligned with the physical domains, the mediums through which they primarily operate. They're charged with the duty to organize, train, and equip forces to be experts in and dominate those domains to the benefit of the joint force. Yet the fuzzy border between physical domains creates a seam, and this seam is where services contest with each other for authorities and funding. Our adversaries are watching, and they could potentially exploit that seam. What is the airspace? Who has responsibility for control of the airspace, and what does control mean? These are some fundamental challenges that the democratization of the air littoral creates. For example, you know, a bullet fired from an M4 is traveling through the air. Is that in the airspace? What about a mortar that travels up 1,500 feet and then comes back down? Or HIMARS? Or what about a small loitering drone that doesn't go above 400 feet but sticks around for several hours? And currently, the focus is really on counter system ideas. Counter UAS, counter mortar, counter cruise missiles, counter aircraft. But these all operate in the same physical realm and only vary by propulsion system, speed, persistence, and range. And those characteristics, especially speed, persistence, and range, are converging. And our adversaries are very aware of this and responding to these developments. And as they innovate their capabilities and operational concept, the Air Force is increasingly at risk of failing in its primary job, winning in the air to allow the Army to occupy and win the ground. How does vertical reciprocity play into this? The air littoral, like the maritime littoral, is fundamentally a trans-domain environment. This requires vertical reciprocity between air and ground forces. It also means more interactions and interdependencies between the air and ground. And the Army, for example, plans to exploit this vertical space with joint all-domain operations emphasizing presenting the enemy with multiple dilemmas. The Army has an emerging vision of simultaneously both horizontally and vertically enveloping the enemy. 
of course, U.S. adversaries also seek these same advantages. Yes, but bringing the air war close to the ground will also lay bare the differences in the Army and the Air Force's concept of control. The control of the land domain has traditionally been a function of the persistent occupation of territory. Armies, as Clausewitz said, can stand fast, as it were, rooted to the ground. In contrast, the Air Force concept of control in the air domain centers on responsive presence, not persistent occupation. Air forces may occupy airspace for a time, but it's ephemeral. What it offers instead is a rapid, but not necessarily persistent presence, the ability to quickly mass and deliver fires. The growing mission overlap will cause a clash of these air-centric and land-centric concepts of control. Closing this seam is critical to the future success of the joint force. The Air Force will need to address control of the air littoral from the blue skies, just as the Army will have to address it from the ground. Each service is going to have to support the other in this evolving trans-domain environment. In conclusion, is it technology that's going to be the answer here? No, I, I don't think technology is going to be the answer. Not in the general way that we use the term. The artifacts, the things that we create, are simply part of the environment. But the art and craft of understanding how to employ those things, which is the original Greek meaning of the term technology, that will play a significant role. The democratization and innovation that created access and persistence in the air littoral is also driving a significant maturation of the domain. We have to adapt to this new environment by understanding it differently, no longer as planar maps stacked one atop another statically, but rather as a fluid with temporal, vertical, and horizontal dimension. Then we can apply technology, the craft of employing our tools to the contestation and dominance of the air littoral. I agree wholeheartedly, and I would just add that the answer is really doctrinal innovation. The technology is hardware, but doctrine is the software. It's that application piece. And as we argue in our article, gaining a competitive advantage in the air littoral requires the joint force to develop a new conceptual framework. And it's one that needs to be grounded in both horizontal and vertical spaces. And if we don't, America might not just lose its technological advantage, but its operational edge. This has been great. It was very enlightening. Well, thank you for having us. And it was a yeah. pleasure to do this. Thanks, Stephanie. If you enjoyed this episode of Decisive Point and would like to hear more, look for us on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and any other major podcast platform.